0: we've been working through. Uh, This morning, we're going to take a look at a psalm that at first you might say, well, pastor, why are you preaching this psalm? It doesn't apply to the church. Well, I think that we can make application to the church from this psalm. And as we introduce this psalm to you, we're going to talk about why some people would say it doesn't apply to the church. And we're also going to talk about a question that I get asked quite a bit, and it has to do with the Sabbath. Sabbath. Do we as Christians celebrate the Sabbath? Why or why not? So Psalm 92 is called a Sabbath song, okay? It's a song meant to be sung on the Sabbath day. So if you're there at Psalm 92, take a look at the title of that psalm. Uh, First, right underneath your number 92, it probably says, praise to the Lord for his love and faithfulness. And then underneath that, it says a psalm, a song for the sabbath day okay so when we think about the sabbath day we usually think about the jews and what they did on the last day of the week it was the seventh day of the week that's what that's the day the sabbath was so we're going to do a quick comparison of what the sabbath is and what the sabbath is not so as we think about what the sabbath is we first of all we understand that the sabbath is a day of rest okay remember let me ask you a question though when was the sabbath instituted Steve? Creation. creation. Any other ideas or thoughts? Beginning. I can't quite hear you. Beginning. In the beginning, okay? Any other ideas? When was the Sabbath created, or started, or instituted? Rest. Rest. Rest that's why it was created, yep. Let me give you a hint. We haven't got the right answer yet. Barry. Leviticus. Leviticus okay. That's, that's closer. We, Leviticus is kind of a hard uh, time frame to set because it kind of just introduces us to the law. But that's when the Sabbath was started. The, the Sabbath was given with the law. It doesn't go all the way back to creation. Now, people will say, yes, it does. Well, it says in Leviticus that the Sabbath was was given, and and like like God rested on the seventh day, man should rest on the Sabbath. That was the reason for the psalm, but it doesn't go back all the way to the creation. There is no mention of a Sabbath day from creation all the way till we get to Moses and the children of Israel after they've left the promised land. Okay, And that's kind of one of the reasons why people struggle with this idea of the Sabbath. Well, it was before the law. No, it actually wasn't. It was instituted with the law. So as Christians, we don't celebrate the Sabbath because we don't live under the law. We live under what? We live under... Grace, okay? So we live in this age. Some people like to call it the age of grace. I'm not a fan of that phrase because it kind of indicates that grace wasn't existing back in the Old Testament. I'm more of a fan of calling it the church age because that is the institution that God is working through. That's the people that God is using to reach the lost. Like in the Old Testament, that was Israel's job. Israel was supposed to be used by God to reach the other nations around them who didn't know God. Christians today who make up the church are supposed to be used by God to reach those who don't know God to bring them into the family of God, into the church, okay? So that's one of the major differences. The Sabbath was given for rest, and the the Lord's Day, if you will, was given for what? Why do we gather on the Lord's Day? Nick's got it. We gather for worship. We gather to declare the worth of our great God. So one was for rest, the other is for worship. When was the Sabbath celebrated? It was celebrated on the seventh day, the last day of the week. How does that compare to the Lord's Day? We celebrate the Lord's Day when? When? On the first day of the week, you say, Pastor, how do you know we're supposed to have church on Sunday anyway? Well, every time the New Testament talks about when the people gathered, he says they gathered on the first day of the week. Paul, when he was giving instructions to um, other churches about helping the church in Jerusalem, he says, When you gather on the first day of the week, Set aside your offering, set aside the money that you're going to give to the purpose of the Lord's work. So we have the first day versus the seventh day, the Lord's day versus the Sabbath. Um, so we also understand that in the, new, the, the, the Sabbath is talked about a lot in the Old Testament, right? And if you broke the law and you didn't observe the Sabbath day, what was supposed to happen to you? Barry's going like this. Well, they didn't really cut your head off, but they stoned you. That was, the, that was the thing that was supposed to happen to you if you disobeyed the Sabbath. Now, I don't have a pile of stones up here for people that aren't here this morning. Okay, um, We don't do that. That's not, that's not the way the, the worshiping of the Lord works Uh, Here in the church age we worship the lord on the first day of the week We encourage people to join We encourage people to come together and to declare the worth of our great god, but we don't penalize them for not coming Okay, um, we don't even really keep a list of who's here and who's not now I have a pretty good memory So I kind of can have an idea of who's here and who's not and when they're not here I reach out to them and say hey, we missed you. Um, so, um, we don't penalize people for not gathering together um It should be the desire of your heart, though, to gather on Sundays to worship our great God. My goal as a pastor and as I prepare my sermons and as we prepare the worship song part of our service together, our goal is that if you miss out on a Sunday, we want you to feel as though you've missed something significant in your life. Um, And and whether that's the the song parts of the service, which prepare our hearts for the the, the preaching of the word, or it's the preaching part of the service, we want you to feel like you've missed something because you didn't gather uh, on Sunday morning to worship our great God. So the whole, um, you know, the idea of if I don't do it, what happens to me, that's totally different between the Sabbath and the Lord's Day. The other thing is that as we get to the New Testament, we never see that the church is commanded to gather and observe the Sabbath day, okay? And that's probably the biggest reason that we as a church, and I don't mean Great Calvary Baptist Church of Preble, I mean churches in general, local churches all over the world don't observe the Sabbath days because we're not told to do that, okay? We are told though to gather on the first day of the week, Why? Because that's the day our Lord resurrected from the dead. He defeated death. He defeated the grave on the first day of the week. So we gather every Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And can I tell you this? There is nothing better to celebrate than the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. He is not here. He is risen. He's alive. I had a conversation again with one of the ladies uh, that was doing the elections here on Tuesday. She came back in. She says, yeah, she said, I had to do some research about why our church has Jesus on the cross. And she says, because our church focuses on the sufferings, but your church focuses on the resurrection. I said, hallelujah. Yes, we do. We celebrate that death could not hold our Savior in a tomb. Suffering was temporary and Jesus is alive and he's coming back for his children. That's what we celebrate. That's the difference between the Sabbath and the Lord's Day. We gather to celebrate the fact that our Savior has given us the victory over death, over gra- the grave, and over sin. People are often confused why we don't celebrate the Sabbath because it's part of the Ten Commandments. So you know what? We don't, celebrate, we don't necessarily preach that we keep the Ten Commandments. At least we don't keep them for the same reasons the Jews kept them. The Jews kept them because that that was prescribed for them of how to live right, how to live holy, how to be rightly related to God. You keep the law. But it was very frustrating because it didn't take very long for you to figure out man, I can't do this. I can't keep the law. I fall short all the time. God sent his son, his only son, Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, God in the flesh. And God fulfilled the law. God kept the law. So you and I don't have to keep the law. Now, that doesn't give us the freedom to sin whenever we want, but we observe the things that are in the law. They're all repeated in the New Testament except for the Sabbath day. We do that because we love our God and we want to serve our God and we want to represent him well. We don't don't observe the law to get saved. We try to keep the law and do what is right because we are saved and we want to represent our Savior well. Jesus fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the Sabbath and he set us free from that bondage. The church, the, the apostles instructed the early church to meet on that first day of the week. So the church... The the Sabbath is not for the church. Let me read something for you from uh, one of my favorite websites, gotquestions.org. It explains well uh, about the Sabbath day. It says there, the Sabbath was given to Israel, not the church. The Sabbath is still Saturday, not Sunday, and has never been changed. But the Sabbath is part of the Old Testament law, and Christians are free from the bondage of law. Galatians chapter 4 verses 1 through 26, Romans chapter 6 verse 14. Sabbath keeping is not required of the Christian, be it Saturday or Sunday, the first day of the week, Sunday, the Lord's day, Revelation 1.10, celebrates the new creation with Christ as our resurrected head. We are not obligated to follow the Mosaic Sabbath resting, but we are now free to follow the risen Christ serving and worshiping. Hallelujah for that great freedom that we now have. So we've, ta- we've, now, we've, we've kind of looked at the difference between the Sabbath and the Lord's Day. And so you're saying now, Pastor, why do we study this psalm then? Well, I believe this psalm is just as relevant for us and meaningful for us today as it was when the Jews observed it together uh, back during the days of the law. We'll just stand together. We're going to read Psalm 92 uh, together. And we're going to see how we can make application to our lives from this great psalm. Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp with harmonious sounds. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the works of your hands. O Lord, how great are your works! Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand this. When the wicked spring up like grass, and when all the workers of iniquity flourish, It is that they may be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. My eye also has seen my desire on my enemies. My ears hear my desire on the wicked who rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing." To declare that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. All right, let's ask the Lord to bless our time in his word together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is timeless, that your word remains relevant for your people today. We ask that as we look at this psalm together, this song of the Sabbath, may we learn from it how we should respond in our love, our gratitude, our appreciation, our thankfulness to you. Bless our time in your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. How does this psalm break down? Well, this psalm is really what we would call a psalm of thanksgiving. So each section in this psalm refers to different reasons for giving thanks to our great God. At first, we see in verses 1 through 3 that we give thanksgiving and praise to the Lord for his person, for who he is. As the psalmist starts out here in Psalm 92, he said, It is good to give thanks to the Lord. I want you to understand where our praise, where our thanksgiving is directed. It's directed heavenward, okay? We're to give praise to the Lord, okay? Who is the Lord? Notice the word Lord there. It's all capitalized. You know what that means? That means that we're talking about the covenant-keeping God, a God with with whom one has a relationship, okay? Our praise should not be directed to anyone here on earth, but it's always given to our great God in heaven. Heaven is the abode of our great God. And so we direct our praise heavenward to the, to the skies because that's where God dwells. Now, it's not like we're always looking up to see where, you know. But God's abode is in heaven. And someday, you know what? We're looking forward to going there. We're looking forward to being caught up in the sky caught up into the heavens, where we'll meet our Lord and Savior, and he'll take us home to be with him forevermore. So our thanks and our praise is directed to